Welcome to the Rural Revitalization Network podcast, and I am your host, Pastor Rob Beckett. The Rural Revitalization Network is committed to encouraging pastors, churches, and communities throughout rural America to engage, equip, and empower through local resources to build God's church. Episode 12, Putting Our Money Where Our Mouth Is. Today we want to discuss uh, funding the mission and funding the the plan that we have put together, uh, that God has uh, given us the vision and the mission and the implementation of the strategy that, that we are to move the church forward. Investment into the mission is probably one of the most difficult paths to navigate but is, without doubt, the most important. Amazingly, people will feel comfortable enough to tell you about all sorts of things about them from the slightest ill thought that they may have had about someone to moral failures that break up homes and marriages. But when it comes to money or finances, they will click, uh, quickly tell you that it is none of your business. It is as if the topic of money and finances somehow became an unspoken rule that we do not talk about. In our experience, people are more comfortable talking about their sex lives than they are about their finances. One of the, one of the main reasons for this, we believe, is because people have not been taught how to handle money God's way. The world tells us that we should live beyond our means, use our peop- uh, other people's money as in credit, and save as little as possible because it doesn't really matter. God's word tells us just the opposite. We are to be good stewards of what he has entrusted to us, and that includes our time, our talents, and our finances. When it comes to financial giving, people will give all sorts of excuses why they cannot or will not uh, do do not want to give. Uh, we have heard uh, every excuse in the book. The truth is, if we are honest with ourselves, we can actually find a way to make it happen if we really want to. Another scenario is explaining and talking about our vision, mission, strategy, and implementation is fine until we talk about what it will cost to do these things to move the church forward. Many times the treasurer of the church will cinch up the purse strings as if it is their own pockets that you're reaching into. Once you have established a plan and a strategy for implementing the vision and the mission of the church, the next step is to establish a financial plan. Your hopes and prayers won't pay the bills alone. In scripture it says, but don't begin until you count the cost. Who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you and they would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. That comes out of Luke uh, 14, 28 through 30. And I think it is a stark reminder of us to us uh, that we have to be have a plan to be able to finish uh, what what we have started. 
the other day, uh, I was going out to Kansas City, and it is amazing. We was driving out through there, and someplace before we got there, uh, we went through a town, and there was this uh, a whole apartment complex with several large buildings that had several units um, and that they had already started, and some of them uh, just had uh, just the walls built on it and no roof. Uh, another one had uh, the walls built up and had the rafters, but no plywood or or shingles on the roof. And then another one, you can see where they just dug the foundation and it never even got started. It is obvious, I don't know what the circumstances was there, but obviously somebody started and the finances weren't there to finish it. We cannot uh, let that happen in uh, our work for the kingdom. Uh, we must put planning together and have a plan and the funds to be able to carry it through to fruition. In the discipline of, of discipleship, planning is an essential element. If we don't plan, we run the risk of wasting resources on initiatives that might not be God's priority for the church. Regardless of the strategy that you and your leadership developed, regardless of how extensive or how thorough it may be, you will not accomplish the mission if it does not have the funding to back it up. The common response to this is that God will provide. And he will. But part of his provision is for you and me of being good stewards and handling our finances in a way that honors him. It starts with each of us as individuals deciding to be obedient to what he has called us to do. If, you, uh, if we want to see the mission of the church accomplished, we must be willing to put our money where our mouth is. When money is short in funding certain aspects of the revitalization effort, there's times that we may need to consider other options. And sometimes this takes sacrifice for us. Uh, God may have, uh, have very well given you a vision, a plan, and a, a mission to do, uh, but it seems like not all the money's there. But uh, there's other options that we may have to consider that God is wanting us to do to be able to fund it. Uh, one of those you may need to find a, uh, is a pastor or, or a leader. You may need to find a second job or be vocational for a season. This is not the ideal situation to be in, but many do that during their initial phases of a church revitalizing and needing extra funds. You may need to find an evening or a weekend job to help supplement the mission. And there likely will be a time that you will need to step out on faith and give up that extra paycheck when the revitalization effort requires more time and attention from your leadership. Another thing that may need to be done is you may need to save more money before you, you start, uh, start your project or start the, the, a certain uh, ministry mission. This assumes that you're out of this assumes that you're out of debt. Debt without question limits our ability to say yes to the calling. Jesus has for our lives and for and and for steps into revitalization that requires funding. You may have to take steps that require little to no money to initiate. Prayer is the first thing that needs to happen anyway, so that is the time to start prayer praying. Uh, going up for the revitalization effort. 
You may need to have your ministry leaders raise their own support. There are plenty of ministries all over the world that use this strategy to fund their their mission. It means sacrificing time and energy to raise uh, support, but don't make it a, a long-term solution. The next thing is you may need to have, have to ask other churches or your denomination or your district superintendent for support. Many districts and church advisory boards have money and grants that can be invested into not only church plans, but also into helping churches to revitalize. This requires you to be able to sit down with other leaders and disseminate the the vision and the mission uh, and what God has called your church to do in their context and make that case to them for for that support. To go a little deeper into the subject of raising support by faithful giving of your people, you will need to talk to them and teach them what the Bible says about faithful giving. I'd begin by letting people know that God and his church don't want your money. God wants their hearts. And what is interesting is that Jesus said, "Where uh, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also, in Matthew 6, 21. You know, if it was me, uh, I would have probably reversed that statement completely around. I would have said, wherever the desire of your heart is, there your treasure will be also. In other words, when God has your heart, He'll also be in control of how you use your money. The way that Jesus taught is just the complete opposite. When we faithfully trust God with our money, our heart for God follows. People need to hear that over and over again. Every church that is going through the revitalization effort and wants to move into the next phase of the life cycle must have a plan to fund the mission. For the church to become self-sustaining, you must begin establishing this foundation from the very beginning. The church must have a plan to increase its income while also decreasing its expenses. This is not an easy task, but it is attainable with prayer and careful planning. Bill Hermond uh, wrote uh, in an article about the importance of buy-in in your congregation. He suggested that you must have buy-in for the process to move forward in your church with your uh, vision and mission that you are trying to fund. Buy-in is the beginning point of revitalization and is the ending point. The reason is that it does uh, not matter how well the church's leadership plans and strategizes for revitalization. If the church is not on board and ready to learn to embrace the changes necessary to give them and keep them on a growth plane, all the work will be in vain. This coming on board and embracing the changes requires funding from the church and its members. We spend our money on what our hearts love the most. And if we are truly committed to the revitalization of our church and our community, then we must be willing to open our wallets, our checkbooks, and debit cards to the cause of reaching lost people. Some will ask, where is the return on my investment? Your return is knowing that the work of the kingdom is being done and done in such a way that last, uh, lost souls are being brought into the kingdom. How is buy-in and investment into the kingdom achieved? The following steps will help us to navigate 
the treacherous waters of finances. First, talk with people. Dealing with emotions and people's pocketbooks can be a tricky area to try to uh, navigate. Talk to the people involved in the investment that you want them to make, caring for them as if they're part of your immediate family. Avoid speaking to them with speeches and have a real dialogue with them. Think through the following guidelines for healthy conversations. First, uh, quantity. Give enough information, but do not inundate people with too much information. Leave them feeling informed when you walk away from the discussion. Quality. Be completely genuine and honest and do not embellish the information. Third, relational. Be relevant and communicate how the change will affect people personally and what will be expected of them. Then fourth, manner. Be clear, brief, and logical. Avoid being vague, ambiguous, and wordy. Get right to the point and tell them what the need is and how their funding and help will provide for that need. People are more likely to invest into the ministry and the efforts of the church if they feel that they are fully informed and have a significant role to play in the outcomes. Address the emotions in the room. Work to understand how church members and leaders are feeling about the investment that they are being asked to put their money into. Emotions and hesitation are often triggered by lack of information new expectations, a lack of structure or certainty, feeling threatened and being comfortable with the status quo and not wanting to change. Create acceptance, commitment, hope, and trust by letting people deal with their hesitations and questions, not just facts. For example, people know that the church is declining. Those are the facts. The emotion, however, is a sense of guilt or a fear of the unknown and of the future. They need to be able to work through these uncertainties, and with your help and guidance and patience, they can become a great asset for the investment of the kingdom. Sometimes it just takes time. Communicate. Repeat, communicate, and repeat. The leaders who create the need for change fail to understand their frequency of communication that is necessary for people to understand it emotionally, intellectually, and in this case, financially. As people deal with their emotions, they are less receptive to believing that they, what they hear. Consistency and repetition are key to helping people to fight the anxiety that goes along with finances. Vary the medium of communication. When people hear the same message from multiple directions, it has a better chance of being heard and remembered on both intellectual and emotional levels. So as we stand in pulpits, we need to reiterate the importance of funding the mission. In our newsletters, in our bulletins, we need to be showing and printing the needed work and the needed funds to accomplish that work. In our board meetings, in our uh, informal conversations one-on-one. We need to ta- be taking talking about the mission and what is needed to help carry that mission forward. We have to remember these things about God. 
that God is faithful. And God's faithfulness is the fuel for our generosity. When Jesus told us to pray, he told us to pray for our daily bread. Not tomorrow's bread, not retirement bread, but daily bread. When we give in to the, this way, we can do it with a supreme degree of confidence because of God's faithfulness himself. We can pray with joy knowing that God will give us what we need when we need it. Secondly, God is generous. We may, as we are contemplating our commitment to being generous, question whether we will be able to satisfy, uh, be satisfied with less. We wonder, are we giving too much, or, and will we fall short in other needs of our life? We will have uh, we will have less money to live on if we give uh, some away. So can we be satisfied with what is left? The answer is yes. It's yes because the generosity of God. And then thirdly, God is intentional. God is many things, but he is not ambiguous. God is not arbitrary. He is intentional. He does things on purpose and for a reason. What we have, we have because God has seen fair to give it to us intentionally. Take, for example, Jesus' parable of the talents. One of the things you notice straight away in the story is that the landowner gives different amounts to the servants. The same is true for God. So let me, as we close, let me encourage you that you have what you have because God intentionally decided you ought to have what you have. This intentionality of God fuels our generosity because it reminds us that we have been entrusted with specific things and specific amounts for the sake of the kingdom. If God is this purposeful, then we also must be intentionally generous. We must put our money where our mouth is in funding the mission that God has laid out before us. And doing so, we will help push, we will help bring the, the kingdom uh, further, and we will be doing the will of the Father in our church and in our community. You can go and send us a message on our email address at rural.revitalization.ky at gmail.com. Go to our Facebook page, Rural Revitalization Network. And also you can go to our website and look at podcasts, uh, read articles, uh, see other things that we can um, uh, give you some resources for at rural-revitalization.network.